All right, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to Chopping It Up with Peace God. I'm Prescott Kelly. Today is Wednesday, April 19th. Glad to have you back with us. Early morning show. I want to keep this momentum going. I know I'm not going to be on the microphone tomorrow. I have to commute into work. Work 11 hour days, so by the time I get home, it's going to be 8 o'clock my time. I have to be on the road by like 6 o'clock in the morning as well. So long day tomorrow, won't have an episode out. But I figured if I'm getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning every day just because I can't sleep, I might as well do something productive with my time when the wife and kiddo have to leave. First thing I want to get into, though, ooh, I gave you guys some bad advice yesterday. I don't mean to be that guy. I really don't. We very rarely go over on P. Scott's picks, but we did. And I owe y'all an apology. That's not number one friend material. So, first... We will apologize for that. I didn't mean to go 0 for 3, but I'm hoping that you don't bail on me. Please. Right now we are, what well, we were, 4 and 2, so now we are 4 and 5 on P. Scott's picks over the last three days. Bear with me, I'll get us back on track. Because we had Hawks plus 10, and they lost by 13. We had Knicks plus 5, they lost by 17. We had Clippers plus 8, and they lost by 14. Whoopsie doodles. But again, don't worry, we will... We'll, we'll correct it. And actually, you know what? What I'll do is I'll just get P. Scott's picks out the way right now. Because what I did yesterday is I don't really do live stuff very much. But I hopped on the Chopping Up a P. Scott page on Facebook. And I thought, hey, when I give these P. Scott's picks, by the time that people are listening to these episodes, the games have already started. And they can't, they, they can't reap the benefits when I'm right. And luckily, they can't lose money when wrong i was kind of feeling myself and i was like you know what? i'm gonna go live so people can watch this now and get these picks in and i can show live that i know what i'm doing and there's this weird thing called yeah your boy was not very good but we'll get rid of the stinkers and we'll come back with some w's for you because i was trying to be too cute i was trying to keep it real and when keeping it real goes wrong this is what happens, and I don't want y'all to lose faith in me. So let's go ahead and pick it up on P. Scott's picks. And we will go ahead and start with Timberwolves and Nuggets. They are once again eight-plus point dogs, the T-Wolves are. Look, they got the brakes smashed off them the other night by like 30. If they have any chance, again, I'm not thinking they're going to win. Minnesota still has to prove something to me. But after you get the brakes beat off you like you did, if you can't come back and lose by less than double digits, this might be a sweep. So today I'm picking the, the Timberwolves plus eight and a half. Next, Heat and Bucks. Giannis, okay, if you do daily sports like DraftKings and FanDuel, I would probably lean into Giannis. The Bucks are minus six and a half, which leads me to believe that everything's fine, quote unquote. And he's going to play. Giannis will probably have 30, 13, and 6 by the end of the third. But he might get hurt again. We see this sometimes with him. He's so dedicated to like that one move. He just wants to get to the hoop. I know how great he is. And this doesn't have anything to do with the spread. It has everything to do with me just not being a fan of his game. Aesthetically, it is just not appealing to me whatsoever. But we see him. He wants to get to the rack all the time. 
And he gets in these collisions sometimes. And he gets his knees banged up. He had his back issue in game one. I'm just saying, he might go off early, but you might see him get re-injured. The Bucks, if they're if they're minus six and a half, which they are right now, they're currently six and a half point favorites. That leads me to believe, excuse me, that leads me to believe that Giannis is good to go. But playoff Jimmy is a whole nother monster than regular season Jimmy. Jimmy Butler always shows up in the playoffs. They went to the finals a couple years ago. They were really close to being in another NBA finals last year. I take the Bucks to win, but take that six and a half with Miami. Next, I'm not taking a point spread because this is basically a pick'em game with the Lakers and the Grizzlies with Ja. Looks like he's probably playing because I would imagine if he's not playing, and I probably should have done some research on this, but if he's not playing, I would imagine the Lakers would be favored, but the Grizzlies are a one-point favorite at home currently as of 7 o'clock in the morning, Alaska time, so 11, 11 a.m. Eastern. I'm not taking a point spread, but I am taking the under 226 and a half. This thing might get slowed down a little bit. If Ja, look, Ja is all about them two-pointers. The Grizzlies are a great three-point shooting team. I see them trying to, they, they might still try to get up and down and run because that's what they do. But 226 and a half, I think the Lakers are going to want to slow things down when they have the ball. I'm not picking anybody straight up as far as the point spreads are concerned. But 226 and a half, take that under. That will pay out 590. So if you put a $100 bet on it, you will win 590 bucks. I'm hoping that today is a little bit better than it was yesterday. We were 0 for 3 yesterday, and hopefully we can go 3-0 and today. All right, so the actual content that I wanted to get to is... Which NFL teams are going to make the biggest turnarounds and also the biggest drop-offs? We'll do that too. The, t- the difficult thing is because the way that I look at professional football, and I've been saying this forever, is we know there's three or four great teams. We know there's three or four doo-doo butter teams. And then we know that there's everybody's, you know, for what the, what the young kids like to say, everybody's mid. And that's the way that I look at things. The teams that were supposed to be great, when we look at preseason favorites, Chiefs, Eagles, Bills, Niners, right? That was that was what everybody was largely thinking before the season even started. The Bills were the Super Bowl favorites, didn't even make it to the championship game, but their point differential was crazy, and the Chiefs had the best record. Eagles had the second. Well, they, had the, they had the same record, but they were one and two. The Bills went 13 and three, and you know that's because they didn't finish the game with Cincinnati with DeMar Hamlin, and then the Vikings and Niners both had 13 wins. So, Four of the five teams that we thought were going to be essentially in the position that they were, they were in. Buffalo didn't get one game further than what was expected, but they were still in that realm. And I don't see a whole lot of movement at the top. Minnesota, I do see falling. We'll get to that in a little bit. But as far as the bottom five are concerned, Chicago, Houston, Arizona, Indianapolis, and LA with the Rams, we didn't really see that. And I'll even, you know, I'll even lump the Broncos in there because they had the same amount of wins as the Rams. They both had five. Didn't expect the Broncos to be as bad as they were. Like if you were to start the season, everybody, everybody thought once they got Russell Wilson, that's it. That at least gets you into the playoffs. Maybe because you have to deal with Patrick Mahomes, you don't win the division, but you're a wild card team. And I don't know one person in my space that I occupy that had anything different to say. We were all wrong. 
before the season started, we certainly weren't saying it, but the Broncos, we didn't think it would be that bad. The Rams, Super Bowl champions at that point in time, we didn't think that they would be that bad. The Colts, neither. Cardinals, uh, I didn't I didn't see them going four wins. The Texans, we did. The Bears, we kind of did. So I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time as far as like the mid teams, the teams that are always around that 500 mark. And not always. I just mean like last year, it's hard to say you're going to really falter as much if you have seven, eight, nine wins, because if you win one or two more and you lose one or two more, like you're still kind of in the same thing. We're looking for at least three to four win jumps for the reverse, three or four losses, as opposed to what you were last season. So we're, I guess what I'll start at is the bottom of the NFL, the bottom feeders, Chicago, Chicago, three and 14. They made some really good moves this off season. The Tremaine Edmonds one for me, I think is going to really help them because as a Bills fan, I've actually watched him just about every single week for the last four or five years or so. He's not one of those guys who's great, great, great in run defense, but because Detroit wants to throw the rock more because we don't know what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. He's supposed to be a jet. He might still be a Packer. You need somebody with the speed to be able to go sideline to sideline because you need somebody who can be in pass coverage against the Vikings who can at least cover up space real quickly because they want to throw the ball all around the field. Now he's not obviously going to be covering Justin Jefferson. I'm not saying that, but you need somebody with the speed to be able to catch up because Tremaine Edmonds is super quick for a linebacker. I need y'all to know that the man is fast sideline to sideline that along with everything else. And it's really hard to do this before the draft. So I'm not trying to get too ahead of myself. This is all pre-draft stuff. I think they're going to make more moves to move back and get more players because they have a lot of holes to fill. But I would see Chicago going from three wins. I'm going to put them at seven. I don't have their schedule in front of me. And obviously I don't know what they're going to do in the draft, but I have them going from three wins to seven. The Rams are a tough one for me because like, I still think the Cardinals are going to be bad. I still think the Texans are going to be bad. The Colts are another team where I could see the jump up because that division isn't very good. And I'm not so high on Jacksonville that other people are. Whenever whenever one team goes from just absolute dog and then they make the playoffs or they're really close, like, like Detroit, everyone's super high on Detroit. To me, they're still Detroit. People are really high on the Jets. To me, they're still the Jets. People are really high on the Jaguars. To me, they're still the Jaguars. I know that their future look bright, especially these three teams that I just named. They're all pretty young and they're pretty talented. But you're still your team until you're not your team anymore. So when I when I kind of go back in the Colts, they're largely a pretty well-run organization. I think they're going to get turned around. But the Rams are a tough one because, I mean, Matthew Stafford's one year older I mean, obviously every person is going to get older. That sounds like a really dumb thing to say, but he's already over 30. Their offensive line is trash, but they also missed between Stafford cup and Aaron Donald, which are three really good players and three key components. They missed a bunch of games last year and I think that they'll be better, but they also just shipped off Allen Robinson to Pittsburgh, not that he was a huge part of their offense, but man, it's so weird. Allen Robinson's one of those guys who's super talented and was overly productive with Chicago when there was nobody throwing in the football. And then all of a sudden he gets to LA and it's just either injuries or he just wasn't performing. I think it'll be good for Pittsburgh, but LA to me is one of those teams that's going to completely turn around just because you're getting Stafford Cup and Donald back. You lost Jalen Ramsey. You're still old across the board. You got your championship a couple of years ago. Good for you. But this to me just feels like 
you might go seven wins as opposed to five, but they're not a big jump team for me. Denver is. I don't know. Everyone's just jumping straight to Sean Payton. He's the one who can fix Russell Wilson. Look, Russell Wilson has been good his entire career. He's gone from let Russ cook. And then last year, that was wild. I didn't see that happening. That man went from let Russ cook to let's put our chicken in the crock pot, not season it, and not turn that thing on. Just 16 TDs, 11 picks. Regardless of what you think of Wilson, that isn't a Wilson year. But that defense is bonkers. The the Chargers are still like, they're, they're talented, but I don't know what I'm actually getting from them week in, week out, and the Raiders are the Raiders. I could see... The Broncos going from five wins. I think that's going to be a nine or 10 win team. I'm not going to put all of the love into just Sean Payton. You just got to be better. We looked at this. It's not the exact. I don't want to do the exact same thing that we did with Tampa because we saw that with Jameis Winston. He was a 30 for 30 special with TDs and INTs. And then they got Brady cut down the turnovers and they won a Super Bowl. I'm not trying to do that. But if Russ can just be competent again. That's a team that should be able to put up more than 20 points. And if they just put up more than 20 points last season, that's like a 13-win team. It's not going to take much. It's just be a little bit better on offense, convert on third downs, don't screw it up, and you should be able to get nine wins. At least. At least nine. So there's a lot of these teams in here that I think are just going to be about the same. Because when you look at these teams that have seven, eight, nine wins, it's the... Jets, Saints, Browns, Panthers, Falcons, Bucks, Patriots, Packers, Commanders, Seahawks, Steelers, all those teams, they're going to be in the same boat. Probably somewhere between six, seven to nine wins top. I don't see a whole lot of movement with those guys. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time there. Giants right now, though, are at, they, they won nine games. They were nine, seven, and one. I could see that being a five-win team this year. Every single year, we get one player, not, not just one, but we get a player that outperforms what we're used to because either there's a new coach or because it's a new starter and there's no tape on you. Not that there hasn't been tape on Daniel Jones, but the tape on Daniel Jones for his entire career has been dog and all of us know it. Then Brian Dable comes into town and he just doesn't lose them games like he has beforehand and Daniel Jones gets paid. We had an episode a couple of weeks ago. I was like, look, Saquon wants to sit out. Dexter Lawrence wants to sit out. Those guys might still sign. That might just be a ploy to get more money because they don't want to sign franchise tags. I get it. It's a business and that might be what they're doing. But if Saquon is willing to sit out or if he gets traded, like whatever the case might be, I could see the, the Giants going from a nine win team to a five win team because there's tape on Daniel Jones. There's not a whole lot there as far as talent is concerned, especially if you don't have Saquon. That team could look really, really bad this year. These other teams like ba- like Baltimore is kind of that same spot where I'm not really sure. It depends. If, if you get Lamar Jackson signed and he's starting for you, they won 10 games this past season. That seems about right. Because they still don't have a whole lot as far as offensive firepower is concerned that are skill position, like besides the running backs and, and tight end, but the, the running backs are every single year those guys are getting hurt. So Lamar's had to carry this thing for him. If Lamar starts for them, that's about a 10-win team. I don't see there being a whole lot of difference. The one that I'm interested in, or the two, I guess I should say, at the top that had double-digit wins are the Vikings and the Niners. The Vikings, because, again, these close games, this isn't who you are. 
I think they had a negative point differential this year. I'm not certain. I know that it was close. But that is not who you are. 13-win teams, I could see that being a 9-win team this year. The Niners, okay, everything, everything across the board for them is, is lining up, right? They've got enough skill position guys. Like Christian McCaffrey is obviously a stud when he's on the field. Debo Samuel, kind of the same thing. I criticize the money, and I still will because he doesn't want to be what kind of helped get him paid. He doesn't want to be utilizing the run game that much. And if you don't have a quarterback to accentuate how good he is as a as a wide receiver, why are you paying that much money if he doesn't want to run? I know it's incentive lace and those are that's all fine. But if you want to get paid like a top flight wide receiver, if you have Jimmy Garoppolo as your quarterback, that's not going to happen. If you have Trey Lance as your quarterback, that's not going to happen. And they are really in a predicament right now because Garoppolo isn't there. I don't like Jimmy. I think that he's incredibly overrated. I've said it before and I'll say it again. When we have a guy who we don't know what to say is good about him, we just label it as a winner guy. We did it with Tim Tebow because we're lazy. We did it with Garoppolo because we're lazy. Winner guy. No, you were on good teams. You had great defenses and run games, and they were just asking you not to f*** it up. And that's what Garoppolo has largely done. But even for how mid I think that he is, you still don't have him anymore. He's out of town. Trey Lance, you haven't seen anything from him, and he was injured. Brock Purdy looked really good. Small sample size, but looked really good, and he's hurt too. If San Francisco doesn't figure out the quarterback position, especially early on, because Purdy's going to miss some time, and if Purdy's supposed to be the starter, he's going to miss four, five, six weeks of the first part of the season is from what I understand. And to me, Trey Lance, he hasn't shown me that he can actually play. This is a team that could easily go from 13 wins to seven, seven or six, if they don't figure out the quarterback position. If they can just be competent, just don't f*** it up. It'll still be an 11-win team. But can you figure that part out first? And I guess to backtrack one more team on the, the team that I think is going to take a, a big step back. Tennessee, y'all are f***ed, man. But I, I don't know what you guys are doing. I made fun of Ryan Tannehill yesterday being in the top 20 as far as salaries for players. He's in the top 20. Ryan Tannehill. Mm-hmm. And then you're thinking about shopping Derrick Henry. You let go of Robert Woods. You don't have anything offensively. You're done. That might be a two-win team right now. That seems a bit hyperbolic. I'm not trying to be hot take, dude. That might be a two- or three-win team, the way that they're currently constructed. Defensively, I know that they're still good. They're still solid. And that division isn't great. But you are looking like you are completely throwing in the towel on this season. I could see them going from seven to three wins real quick. And I think that's going to wrap it up for today. Quick little episode. Uh, I had to start work in about 10, 15 minutes or so. So you guys know the drill. As always, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. Make sure to tell your friends, hide your kids, hide your wives. Make sure you hit that like, share, subscribe, follow, and the notification bell so you can get all the newest episodes. We are about to head out. You guys know the drill. Stay up, stay blessed. We'll catch you guys on the next one.